Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 4 tonight. That's in the Old Testament next to the last book of the Bible, Zechariah the fourth chapter. What are you going to talk about tonight, Pastor? Well, I'm going to talk about speaking grace to mountains. Speaking grace to mountains. Thank God for the grace of God. And I want to, I want to uh, kind of just launch off here in Zechariah chapter 4 and probably look at some other scriptures tonight. Zechariah the fourth chapter. And let's go to verse 6. And this, this uh, passage, as we get ready to read, Zachar- Ze- a, a man by the name of Zerubbabel, uh, who's the governor of Judah, is in the process of building the, rebuilding the uh, temple of God. And uh, he has faced opposition. Now, anytime you go to do something for God, you're, you're liable to face opposition. And so you have to be aware of that. Uh, A minister, a pastor that I know uh, from Michigan was trying to build a church years ago, his church. And he was running into opposition from the city, from different people. And uh, they just basically said, we don't want your church here. And so he called, this was when Dr. Lester Summerall was still alive. Uh, He's still alive, by the way, he's just not on the earth. But when he was on the earth, uh, he called Dr. and made an appointment to see if he could meet with Dr. Summerall and talk to him about it. So Dr. Summerall was cordial and said, yes, Dr. Summerall loved young preachers. He just loved to help preachers and... uh, you know, a lot of people just saw the rough, gruff side of Dr. Summerall, and they didn't see the compassionate side, you know, and the love side, you know, because some people are just too touchy. Amen. Come on, you can say amen. Don't be so touchy about it. Some people are just too touchy. and They can't take somebody that's just not lovey-feely all the time. And so Dr. Summerall, yes, said come, and he came to South Bend, and he took Dr. Summerall, Dr. Summerall out to a very fine restaurant. And he told Dr. Summerall these problems. And Dr. Summerall said, you know, he said, the, the problem with you preachers today is this. He said, you think just because God called you to do something that it's automatically going to fall into place. He said, that's the problem with you young preachers today. We knew that if God, basically he was saying, we, we older preachers knew that if God called us to do something, we may have to fight it through. God's grace will see us through it, but we're going to have to fight. And he's basically, Dr. Summerall, let him know, you young preachers don't think that way. You just think it's automatically going to happen because God said do it. Well, this minister that I know, uh, he went back to his hometown and built that church. He needed to hear that word from Dr. Summerall that just because they said no doesn't mean no is the answer. Amen. And this is kind of where Zerubbabel's at. He's kind of like in this place where, uh, you know, he's wanting to build a temple, but there, there's opposition. And in verse 6, 
It says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of, of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by natural might, not by power or by army, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, it's going to be my spirit that does this. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone with shouts, shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Now that's where, I, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm taking my, my uh, teaching from tonight, is from this, that God told Zerubbabel, he said, shout grace unto the mountain. Say, say things of grace to the mountain. Are y'all going to be this quiet all night? Or? All right, just checking it out here. Now, now, see, one of the things we need to know, because mountains are a part of life. You, you might as well know that. You know, Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome it. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to cheer up. Now, nobody's happy when they face mountains. Nobody's, like, thrilled about it. No, I understand that. But we're not supposed to let it steal our joy. Amen. Now, I may not be happy with my circumstances, but I still have the joy of the Lord. I can still come into the house of God and worship God. Amen. I mean, you know, I may not be happy with everything that's going on. I, I, I've, I've, man, I've got up to preach over the years. I've been preaching for 40 years. I've gotten the pulpit many times where, it, where there, was, there was turmoil. There was, there was, there was uh, uh, storms going on, you know. But I'm still coming to the house of the Lord. Amen. It's not going to steal my joy. That's right. Amen. Because uh, that's, a, that's a supernatural thing. That's not a natural thing. That's not based on natural circumstances. I can make you happy tonight, you know, just give you a bunch of money and make you happy tonight. But it doesn't produce joy. There's a lot of people have a lot of money and don't have any joy. Joy is a supernatural thing. The joy of the Lord, joy is really a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. Amen. It's kind of like marriage. Marriage is not a natural thing. The government can't, you know, they, you know make it constitutional or non-constitutional. They can't do that. Why? Because they didn't start it to begin with. God started it. Amen. And so they don't have any say-so in that, to be honest with you. They've, t- they've had some say-so in it, but it was, it's none of their business. They're, they don't have any say-so in it. Amen. And so this is, this is, God's the one that, you know, He instituted marriage. Either do it His way or you just don't do it. It's just that simple. Can I have an amen? amen. Uh, it's just His way or forget it. Just don't do it. Amen. And so... Um, you, you, you know, uh, mountains, they're, they're a part of life. They're, they're going to be there. And so we, we, you know, but, but they don't have to steal your joy. Well, they may momentarily steal your, you know, your, you know, the peace around, the serenity, not the peace, but, you know, the calmness around you. There may be turmoil, but deep down inside you, there's a joy of the Lord. Amen. And so one thing you need to know about mountains, mountains are huge. Mountains are steep. They're difficult to navigate. As a matter of fact, some mountains, if you don't navigate them right, they will kill you. Back when I was in my 40s, I had this, uh, I don't know if I'd call, I wouldn't call it a goal, but I, maybe an ambition that I was going to go over to Mount Everest. I, got, I was getting in pretty decent shape. And, uh, you know, I uh, was going to not try to climb Everest, <laughs> but I was going to go to base camp, which is still pretty high, 17,500 feet. That's higher than most people have been without an airplane. 
And so uh, I was going to do that, and I had made a connection over there, uh, somebody that could help, help me pull that off. And, uh, and then I had uh, 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 someone in the, in the church that was in our church at that time. They've since moved to another state. Uh, but he was a little younger than me, uh, a few years younger than me. And uh, he was going to go, you know. And so we had these plans that we were going to go. And, you know, and, you know, I was reading books on Everest and all and learning about it. And then, you know, uh, as, as uh, time went by, his, his wife probably rightly, uh, basically forbid him to go. And she probably was doing the right thing. I don't know. But anyway, because, you know, the conditions just going to base camp, are not, they're not very sanitary. It's not very pleasant. And I, I would read that and think, why would I want to do something like this? I don't even like bad hotels. And these aren't hotels. These are, these are flea-bitten inns that you're going to have to stay with on this trail up here, and, and it's not good. But I thought, I want the challenge. I want to do it, you know. And uh, so I read all kinds of books about it, you know, and, 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 and in reading, I found out a lot of things about climbing Mount Everest. I found out that, you know, that, you know, when, they, uh, when they're going to climb it, they can't just go over there and say, you know, I think I'll do this today. I think I'll try this out. This is like, kind of like golf, isn't it? You know, it either works or it doesn't. No, this is one of those things. Sports, if you want to call it, if you don't do it right, you don't come back home. In 1996, I can't remember the exact number. I used to know, but I've forgotten. But, you know, a double-digit number of people, might have been up around 20-some people, died uh, trying to climb Everest that, that year. Maybe more than that. It might have been more than that. I don't remember. But basically, you know, they, what they do is they go to a base camp, and they camp there for a while, and then they, got, they have four camps, one, two, three, and four, you know, um, after base camp. And they'll, they'll climb up to camp one, stay overnight, come back down. Then they'll go up to two, stay overnight, come back down. Then they'll go up to three. What they're doing is they're acclimating themselves, you know. They're getting themselves where they can actually do this thing. You know, they're, they're getting used to that higher altitude. Because once you get over 25,000 feet, it's called a death zone. You can't stay there long and live. A human can't live there. You have to get in, get out, get back down. You spend much time, you're, you're going to die. And so, and there's just a certain window of time in the year that you can do this. It's, it's usually in May. There's just a short, short window of time where the weather's clear enough on the summit to be able to do it. If you do it any other time, there's storms going on up there and there's no way you can do it. So you have to, you have to time it just right. You have to be just, just right. You got to be fit just right. You got to be acclimated just right. And then you got to pray and hope everything goes right. Well, in 96, it didn't go right. You know, the guys, uh, you know, they will go to one, two, and three, and then their final, when they're going to summit, they go up to four. It's like 26,000 feet. So it's only like 3,000 some odd feet from the summit, which doesn't seem like a lot, except you're climbing straight up, and it's a whole lot. And so, uh, you know, they will camp there just overnight, and they'll get up real early in the morning, and they'll head for base camp, or the, excuse me, they'll head for the summit, and they know we've only got so much time to get up here and get back down because if we take too much time, we won't live. We don't have that much time. You can't live here in, in this death zone very long. And so in 96, some guys went up, several went up. And as they got up there, uh, you know, they got up just fine. They got on the summit. They took their pictures. They realized we got to get down. We got to get going here. And on the way down, an unexpected storm came in. And it trapped many of them. 
And one, you know, many of, many of them, to, to, I don't remember, but it was double-digit number of them didn't, didn't live. They didn't live through it. There was one guy, he got out, uh, and I think it was God, when you read the story, he got out, but he lost, you know, his fingers, his, his feet, parts of his feet, parts of his fingers, his nose, and parts of his body he lost, you know, and uh, so forth. But one particular guy, he just, you know, and he was one of the most experienced guys up there, and uh, he just was up there too long, and he just lost all of his strength. He just, you know, oxygen-deprived body. He sat down on a ledge, and he, he called uh, by, they connected him by a uh, uh, satellite phone to talk to his wife, to tell her goodbye, to tell her, I'm, I'm here. You know, they're trying to tell him, you know, come on, try to get down. He said, I can't, I can't move. I'm stuck. This is it. I'm dying. I'm, stuck. I'm not coming down. So he called his wife to tell her, you know, tell her goodbye and that he loved her and so forth. So mountains, you know, and as I read about this, you know, I, I realized you got to you, you can't just decide to do this. You got to learn some things. <laughs> and 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 the Bible, it talks about mountains like that. You know, it compares mountains to our issues, our problems uh, that we face. We have to know some things or we won't make it through it. Amen. And you know what? Listen, this is, this is our handbook. See, any one of you, any one of you can go over uh, and climb Everest if you want to. You know why? Because they have trained guides that you pay them multitudes of thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, you'll get some guy who's not really on it. You know, he's not really uh, real integrous. He may try to take you up no matter who you are. You may not come down, but it's the price we pay. But guess what? We've got a guide that can, can help us to conquer anything. Hallelujah. He's called the Spirit of God. And this is the handbook right here that tells us how to overcome mountains. Mountains are going to be there. Paul said this about it himself Talking about mountains he was facing. The Lord, actually, the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, said, my grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. For anything that comes our way. But I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this in Zechariah because uh, God, what God said here, He said, shout grace to it. Grace to it. What does He mean by that? Well, He means you need, when you have mountains, you need to speak words of grace to the mountain. Look at uh, in the scripture, go to 1 Samuel 17, go there. And I, you know, this is a story that we've heard from our youth about David and Goliath. But I think we need to see something here about what David did. You know, how many know Goliath was a mountain? I said Goliath was a mountain. We don't really know for sure how tall he was, but he was at least nine feet something tall. And uh, he was the champion of the Philistine army. David, by the best we can tell, David was probably 17 years old. All right, he's, he's a, the, the scripture calls him ruddy, a youth, and uh, good-looking. He doesn't have 
the features of a warrior. Amen. And so, in, 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 in uh, 1 Samuel 17, look at this, verse 42. Uh, we're just cut in on this. We, don't, we won't read the whole thing. It says, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. You know what disdain means? I don't know what your translation says, but it means he had contempt for him. He's like, are you kidding me? This is what they sent out? You know, because that's what he wanted. The Philistine said, send a man out. Let me and him fight. All, both armies don't have to fight. Whoever wins, then the others are the servant, of the, you know, of the winner. So just send me a man out. If I kill him, then you're our servants. If he kills me, then, you know, we're your servants. He didn't really think they had anybody that could beat him. And, you know, in the natural, they really didn't. But uh, he, he disdained him for, notice this, he was but a youth and ruddy, a, a red, reddish complexion, and of a fair countenance. That's the King James. I mean, he was just a good-looking guy. He just, a, you know, you know, good-looking young teenager. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves or with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Remember that now. He cursed by his gods. What was he doing? He was invo- I mean, this guy shouldn't need any help from any god as big as he is. Right? But he's calling on his gods to help him. That's what he's doing. He cursed David by his gods. So he's calling on his false gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, I'll give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then, now notice verse 45. Then, then said David... Everybody say, David said. He said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Notice, the Philistines cursed David by his gods, and David came back and said, I'm coming to you by my God. Amen. Now, it... it, 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 it gets really good because David in verse 17, what is he doing? Man, he's speaking words of grace to this mountain. Y'all following what I'm saying? Words of grace, words of faith. Yes. Amen. That are filled with God's power, filled with God's grace. Amen. See, we think grace, he's speaking nice things to the Philistine. No, that's not what I mean. Words of grace are words that profit you, praise God. And profit the kingdom. Amen. Verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand and I'll smite you and I'll take your head from you and I'll give the... (laughs) I love this. This is a 17-year-old teenager. He says, I'm going to smite you. I'm going to take your head from you and I'm going to give the carcasses of the host of Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I love this kid. He said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill the whole host. That's, this, this boy swacks and bold, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, I know I'm gonna kill. I mean, it'd been quite a feat to kill Goliath, but he said, "I'm not just killing you. I'm gonna kill everybody. On, I'm gonna kill all whole Philistines." Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, I've heard it said. I don't know if it's true or not, but it could be. I've heard it said before that you know David got five uh, smooth stones, and uh, they said that's because Goliath had four brothers, and Goliath did have four brothers. He had four brothers. And eventually, they got them all, all Goliath and all his brothers. So David's words came to pass. 
And he said, verse 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear or by natural means, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. What did David do? Well, David spoke grace to the, he spoke grace to the mountain. Notice the mountain spoke to him, didn't it? I mean, the mountain speaking to him, but he spoke back to the mountain. We've got to learn to speak grace to the mountain. God's grace is on our life. Amen? I don't care what we face, what comes our way. God's grace is on our life. It's not on the mountain. It's not on the Philistine. It's on us. Amen? Now, Mark chapter 11. We know this scripture, but let's look at this. Mark chapter 11. Mark the 11th chapter. <clears throat> Mark the 11th chapter. And you'll see this. This is, this is what Jesus said. Mark chapter 11. And let's, let's just read a couple verses here. Verse 22, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. What did Jesus say? Well, to me, he said, Man, speak words of grace to the mountain. Now, the, the number one thing, you know, when you talk about mountains, the number one thing the Lord told us to do to mountains is speak to them. That's what He said. Speak to them. Speak to them what? Well, speak to them words of grace, the grace of God. Be removed. Get out of my life. Be cast into the sea. Amen. And He said, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't doubt, you believe, uh, it'll be done. Hallelujah. See, you know, we, we've often said this before, are you talking to your mountains? Or are they talking to you? It's a huge difference, isn't it? You know, because uh, mountains will talk to you, won't they? Trouble will talk to you, won't it? Tribulation will talk to you. It'll tell you, I'm, I'm taking you out. I'm going to defeat you. Amen. You've got to talk back. You can't let it do all the talk, talking. You know, you can't stop the devil from talking, but don't let him have the final say-so. He talked, to, he talked to Jesus, didn't he? He said, if thou be. Jesus said, it is written. You know, and he came back to him again. And Jesus said, it is written. And he came back to him again. Jesus said, it's written. Jesus talked back. Amen. Amen. You know, and, and finally, the Bible says the devil left him. Uh, see, I think the King, James, the King James says the devil left him for a season. Or one translation says for a, a more opportune time. Or I'll come back when he's not so full of the word. I mean, no, he never did get that chance, did he? Jesus always stayed full of the Word. Come on, you got to learn, man. You can't keep, if you're going to, see, a lot of people can talk in the natural, but they can't talk in the Spirit. I met motor mouths in the natural that couldn't say a thing in the, in the Spirit. Hey, come on, are you with me now? You know, I've had people that, I mean, they just wore me out. I mean, one lady was wearing me out one night. She was, she was a member of this church. You notice how I said was. And I mean, she's just going on and on and on. And it wasn't the first time she'd done it. And it wasn't the first time that she'd done it. I mean, I don't know how many times. Just, you know, talking about the mountain. Just over and 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 over. And not you know, I figure if you come for me to counseling, you should shut up and listen. Is that fair enough? You know, if I start charging, I'll bet you shut up. 
And so anyway, and I don't know, I didn't mean to say it out loud, but I, it was a time, I needed to get going. I had some, some place I had to go. And I said it out loud, I got to go. She says, did you just say you got to go? I said, yeah, I guess I did. I got to go. If you could learn to use your mouth that much in the spirit, speaking the word, you'd be delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not apologizing for anything I said. See, we've got to learn, you know, to use our mouths rightly. Instead of just talk about the mountain, how about talk to the mountain? Right? A lot of people, they, they talk about the mountain. You know, oh my gosh, man, Pastor, y'all see my mountain. Now, it's the biggest mountain you've probably ever seen in all your 40 years of ministry. And all, well, all right, maybe, maybe it is, but why talk about it? Jesus said, talk to it. See, when you talk to it, Jesus said, if you do that, he said, it shall be removed. What are you going to do? You're putting pressure against it. It's going to put pressure on you. Problems put pressure on you. You've got to learn to put pressure on them. Amen? And so you got to talk back. You got to, what do you got? You got to say words of grace. You got to speak grace to it. Like, like, like God told Zechariah, we just read there, or, or uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, he said, you got, you, got to, you got to shout grace to it. Shout grace to it. Amen. Amen. You know, like the time when the devil was trying to run me out of the ministry financially, you know, just squeezed the life out of us financially. And I shouted back, you're not taking me out. You're not running me out of the ministry. You're not going to do it. Are you listening now? Well, that was the beginning of it. God gave me some instructions to sow some money. But two weeks later, uh, we were out of that mess. And it was like, today this may not sound like much, but it was to us in those days. And it's still a pretty good chunk of change. It was $15,000. Amen. And I doubt in those days we got $15,000 into in, in our church in two months' time. I don't know. I don't even know if we got it. I don't even know. I wasn't, much wasn't coming in, that's for sure. But praise God, God does, God's got ways to get it in if you'll just speak to the mountain. Amen. You know, it was talking to me. Man, tell me, you're, you're, you're done, man. I mean, you're, you're done. You're, I'm running you out. No, you're not, devil. Amen. He's got a motor mouth. I don't know if you know that or not, but the devil, I mean, you know, it's like a lady came to Brother Caps one time and, and she said, Brother Caps, the devil told me, he said, well, there you, you, you've, you've, you've got the answer to your problem right there. Stop listening. Amen. Stop listening. Now, <laughs> Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Amen. Speak to the mountain. Put pressure on it. Go to Isaiah 41. Go there, Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Go there. This was a pretty cool scripture. Isaiah 41. We got to learn to speak grace to the mountain. Amen. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, we, we speak. We speak the. We speak the word. We speak. We speak God's deliverance. Amen. Amen. We say what He says. Amen. Right. Isaiah forty-one. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's just like people. You know, sometimes they think what the world says is the final answer. It's 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 final. 
But it's not unless you let it be final. Amen. I've told you before about a minister I preached with years ago. He was an older gentleman. Um, at the time, I, he was in, you know, I don't know, he, he was probably in his late 70s maybe. I don't know. For, I'm not for sure. But he was, he was an older gentleman, and he was just full of life, man. We preached at a camp. We preached at a, what was called a word explosion together. And I didn't really know him really well other than meeting him there. That's the only time I ever really talked to him is when we were at the meetings together preaching him. And we preached, I don't know, I don't know, a couple years at least at this meeting together. This was years ago. And I'm a lot younger than him, you know. And so he just full of, full of life and all. I mean, and, 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 but he told his testimony one time. He said, you know, he said, I, I pastored this church. And he said, uh, we got, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, and began to speak with other tongues and flow in the, the, you know, the supernatural. And he said, uh, they, they kicked me out. <laughs> you know, it's like, it like one guy said, he said, you know, he said, I beat my wife for 20 years and I was a good standing with my church. He said, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues, they kicked me out. He said, you could beat your wife in that church, but not speak in tongues in that church. I don't believe I want to go to that church. How about you? And, and anyway, because he said I wasn't even saved, you know, he wasn't even saved when he was going to that church and was a wife beater and everything else. And then he got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit and the church kicked him out. So anyway, come on. <laughs> There's churches like that. You know, as long as you act like a heathen, you're all right with you. But you start acting too spiritual, out you go. And so anyway, he's, he got kicked out of his church. So he said, I said, the Lord, he said, the Lord, what do I, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, well, I called you to the city, so uh, don't leave, you know, just start another church. Now, it would be unethical to do that under certain circumstances. But, you know, just if you're a pastor in a church and you go start one across town, that'd be unethical in certain circumstances. But in this circumstance where they don't want God and they kicked him out, well, I wouldn't mind, wouldn't bother me start one next door. Those people are heathens. And I need to evangelize them. So, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Now, I would have an issue, you know, if they were good standing with God and so forth, but when they kick you out for, you know, getting more God, then I don't know what your problem is. Well, moving right along. But anyway, I, you know, uh, that's just the way I see it, you know. So, uh, so anyway, he started another church, you know, and things are going good. And all of a sudden, he starts feeling bad, you know. He started feeling bad, so he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, I got, you know, they were in test time and so forth, and said, well, I got, I got bad news for you. Um, you. You got cancer, and uh, it's bad. And, you know, basically, it's advanced, and you only got six months more to go. That's the best week. That's the most you probably will live is six months. So uh, he said, well, he thanked the doctor and went out, you know, to the parking lot. And he said, Lord, he said, uh, I can't die. Uh, I'm not done. He never went back to the doctor. And I'm not saying he's, you know, they, listen, they already told him we can't do anything for you, okay? So why go back, right? We can't do anything for you, but you, we'll do this and this and this and, you know, might make you live a couple months longer. No, I don't need that. But so he just he said I put, he said I just told God I said you know I can't I can't die. Well, I mean that's speaking grace to the mountain right there. I can't die. Why? Because I'm not done. You called me to this city and I haven't completed my job, so I can't die. Well, when we were preaching together, it was ten years later. Ten years later, the six months is now advanced to 10 years, and he's still preaching. And I told Phil, I said, man, he's got more energy than I do. He's up there jumping around, hooping and hollering things, and I'm like, I'm wore out already. Just watching you, brother. But thank God, amen. 
But he did the right thing. He spoke grace to me. He said, I can't die. I can't do this. Well, I'm not done. If I say grace. Now, uh, let's see. I saw you go there. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 15. We're getting close here. We're, we're going, I want to look at one more scripture, I think. And we're winding down. This is a really cool scripture. In Isaiah 41, 15, it says, Behold, I will make you a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. And you shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and shall make the hills as chaff. Hallelujah. Now notice 16. You shall fan them, talking about the mountains, what's left of them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. Now shalt rejoice in the Lord and shout glory in the Holy One of Israel. Wow, isn't that a powerful scripture? Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, it, well to me it means, man, God's going to, when grace comes out of our mouth, it, it devours the mountains. It makes them into dust. And God said, that's the way I'm going to make you. And that's the way he's done it in this New Testament, man. He's given us power. Amen. Are you listening now? Now, people think, you know, they say, well, you're just a name and claim it. No, 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 no. Listen, that's not it at all. We're talking about saying what God says with his word, right? We, we agree with what he said. How many know you got to agree with God to get anywhere? You got to start with the foundation that he's right, his word's right. Amen. You know, I was talking about this. I think it was, uh, it might have been uh, Saturday. I was talking about, you know, if the manifestation isn't coming, don't look to God. He's not the problem. It's on our end. You know, now that doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong, but we may be in a warfare. You understand what I'm saying? See, like with Daniel, he was, he was 21 days. I was talking about this. In Daniel 10, Daniel prayed, and it took 21 days for him to get the answer. But the angel said, I was sent the first day you prayed. But you read Daniel 9, he was praying and talking to God, and Gabriel showed up immediately. He said, when you began to pray, I was dispatched, and I'm here. came immediately. So one time he prays, it's immediate in Daniel 9. In Daniel 10, the next time he prays, it's 21 days. And the angel explained, he said, I was in warfare. The king, the kings, the king of kings of Persia withstood me. He's not talking about earthly kings. He's talking about kings in the spirit realm, spiritual principalities and powers. They withstood me, and they and I was in a fight with them. He said, and I remained there. He said, finally Michael showed up, and when Michael showed up, the deal was over with. Michael's a, he's a warring angel. He put an end to this, and I now I'm here. But I meant to be here sooner. You understand? But da thank God Daniel stood with, stayed with it, right? And so it could be something like that, you know, or it could be, it could be that maybe we need to change some things. But God's not withholding. He's already released it if we've asked for it. But the manifestation now depends on us doing the right things, see. And that's what I was talking about that, but that's a different teaching. But anyway, I was just talking about that on Saturday night, how, you know, God releases it when you pray. Well, whoever, you know, if you release it, the Bible says, when you pray, the Bible says everyone asks receives. Now you've got to believe you receive it to have it. And so it's on our end. It's not on God's end. We think, well, why is God taking so long? Well, it's not God. He, he releases it immediately. It's on our end. And that, once again, that doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. It just means we, we got some warfare. Now, if, you know, maybe we do need to change some things before it manifests. Maybe we've got unforgiveness in our heart, in our life. 
I mean, we'd have to change that a lot of times for things to manifest. But it's not that God is withholding. It's just we're not receiving it because of things that are blocking it from us having it in the natural. Amen? Or God may, you know, God may want you to change some things. Amen. You know, I've heard people say, you know, they were believing for healing and God spoke to them, change this in your diet. Quit drinking 18 Mountain Dews a day. Brother Kenny's convicted. You hear that? Uh Uh-oh. No, I'm teasing. I actually prayed for a guy who had kidney stones. Okay, yeah, you know, he was in pain. And then get talked to him. He said, well, I drink 18. I'm, I didn't, I'm not making this up. This doesn't sound like you could do this. This is what he told me. Whether he was telling the truth or not, I don't know. But I don't know why you'd lie about doing something this dumb. But he said, I drink 18 Mountain Dews a day. I thought, well, you know, for you to be healed, you might have to change some things here. How many know that? <laughs> right? See, there's some things, you know, we, 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 we see what I'm saying. For God to manifest what you need, you may have to change some things. That's dramatic. I know that. Most people aren't that dramatic. But yet, still at the same time, we could be doing things that maybe we need to change. But it's not, God's not, you know, He hasn't released it to us because it's a covenant promise. He always releases His covenant promise when we ask for them. But, it, it, but it's up to us to believe we received for it to manifest. And so we have something to do with it becoming in the natural. Amen. And so here in Isaiah, God said, I'm going to make you, man, you're, you're going to be like a threshing machine to the mountains. Hallelujah. We're going to thresh the mountains. Amen. Now there is one last scripture I think I want to look at. Let's go. Did you get anything at all tonight? It's just kind of, yeah, let's go to uh, Joshua chapter Chapter uh, uh, 14, Joshua 14. Joshua chapter 14, go there. And uh, this is Caleb, and they're, uh, you know, they're possessing the land of of, of Cana, promised land. And in Joshua 14, I just want to read one verse there, verse 12. Uh, he says, uh, Caleb, this is Caleb talking to Joshua. He says, now, uh, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims or the giant, they were, those were giants, uh, were there and the, that the cities were great and fenced. Now, notice this. Now, this is this. Listen to what he says. If, if so be, the Lord will be with me. Or if so be, will be added by the translators, it's italicized. So if so be the Lord with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Now, Caleb said, if the Lord's with me, I'll be able to take this mountain. If the Lord's with me. If the Lord's with me. If His presence is with me. If His grace is with me, I'll be able to take this mountain. I'll be able to do it. Well, how many know that uh, it's still true today? The psalmist said it like this. He says that the mountains would melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. See, what, what, if, we, if we, you know, see, a lot of times spiritual things don't work for people because they're not spiritual. 
I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But they don't walk in the Spirit, see. If you don't walk in the Spirit, then spiritual things won't work for you. You have to walk in the Spirit. I mean, you have to be spiritual. How many know, you go back to the basic foundation. The reason we were created was to fellowship with God, right. Right? right? Why else did He make us in His image? Think about it. Why make us in His image? Why did He make us like a, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just think about it. If you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? Pastor Chuck be a Doberman Pinscher. What would Miss Joanne be if she was? We better leave this alone, hadn't we? How <laughs> I many? If you were a dog, you know, you couldn't. You, you, how, how many? How, how many got a dog? I love dogs. You know what I'm saying? Um, my, my dream, my my dream, if you want to call it that, is to someday have a a home that's more in the country, and with uh, you know a little bit of property around me, and have my own outbuilding. You know, that's heated and air conditioned where, where my dogs can live and my cats can live. <laughs> Amen. Where they can go in there in the summertime and it's, it's, it's cooled off, you know, and in the wintertime it's warmed up. And I probably have about five dogs and maybe five cats. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, somebody's been trying to give me a cat already, but I'm not in that spot yet, all right? Where will I get my house there? You know, because I love, I love animals. I'm an animal lover. I love dogs. I love, I mean, I, just, I, I just like them. I'm, you know, people that they think, oh, I don't, I don't mind your dog jumping on me. It doesn't bother me at all. I like dogs. But God, you, you know, as much as you may like your little uh, fluff ball and maybe you take it to get ice cream, I was down on the trail one day, you know, Newburgh, and I was going for a run, and this guy had a humongous dog. I, and that dog, thank God he was friendly. He got up against me, and me gave me just, I mean, he just slobbered all over my running shirt. Blah. He weighed 257 pounds. He was the... Huge, the biggest dog I think I've ever seen in my life. 257, he was a bull mastiff. And the guy, of course, you know, me and the guy, we get to talking, you know, and he said, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, he said, my wife and I, we'll watch movies and we'll order pizza. And we ordered him his own large pizza to eat, you know. <laughs> ain't no wonder he weighs 257 pounds. I mean, you're feeding this dog a whole pizza, man. Uh, and so, you know... <laughs> But, you know, and that's kind of like I'd probably be, you know, it's like, I, you know, you know, it's like when we're at people's house that have dogs, you know, I will purposely drop stuff in the floor while the, while my, while the, the host isn't looking. You know, because the dogs, you know, they're wanting something, you know, it's like, here you go, bud. And so, but how many know, I don't care how much you love your dog, the fellowship only goes so far. It does. Now, I've seen people get really weird. You know what I'm saying? And they almost treat their dog like it's a human, but it doesn't talk. Amen. Uh, and cats are worse. You know, they say the difference between a dog and a cat. You uh, 
take care of the dog, you feed the dog, you pet the dog, and it looks up at you and says, you must be God. You take care of the cat, feed the cat, pet the cat, and it looks up at you and says, I must be God. There's a huge difference. And so God created us like Him for fellowship. In other words, He wants to fellowship with us, see? And so He made us in His image. And so back to what I'm saying, the things of the Spirit, they don't work for you unless you're in the Spirit. And the number one thing you've got to do to be in the Spirit's fellowship with the, the Spirit of all spirits. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to attack mountains, it's like we just read there. He said, if, if the Lord be with me, give me this mountain. If the Lord be with me, uh, I'm more than able to take this mountain if the Lord's with me. Well, is the Lord with you? Yes. Well, sure He is. But Moses even said it this way. He said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Don't send us because we've got to have your presence. And the mountains will melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. See, not only do you got to speak grace to it, but you got to have some grace and, and some anointing on your life to go with it. Amen. You can't just parrot. You know, like a parrot. You know what a parrot does. You know what a parrot is? It parrots. I was over in Honduras one time, and we was eating at this... I, I would have killed this bird if I could have got away with it. Uh, but we had an out, outdoor cafe, you know, and we'd go there and eat breakfast because I'll tell you, if you, you, you know, when you go to play certain places like that in, in Central America and South America and even here in America, you know, same thing, uh, you got to watch where you eat because your stomach's not like their stomach. Their stomach's accustomed to some of it. So there's certain places you just you avoid. But if you go to the right places, the food is fantastic. Because it's all, it's all like the orange juice, fresh squeezed orange juice. It's not minute made. It's fresh squeezed. Man, they fix you bacon and eggs like you ain't had bacon and eggs. They give you orange juice like you had an orange, had an orange juice. They give you coffee, man, it'll make you dead rise. When I get coffee over there, it's got sugar in it, half cream, half coffee. That's good. And so you get to, it'd be, you know, you'd be eating, and all of a sudden that bird would yell out, Hola! And it'd do just exactly what it did to Stark right there to wake you up. You'd be. And after a few mornings of that, for this, for the, oh, Stark's just, he's just, uh, he's supposed to be in children's shorts, but he has to listen to Pastor tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, first night, you, you know, you get it. But after a while, it's like, hey, I'm going to kill this bird, you know. First time, it's like, that was weird. Don't do that again. And they get, they, it would do it every day, every morning, you know. And like this guy, I was talking about this parrot he had in a, in a pet store, you know. He said this parrot was in the pet store. I'm closing. This parrot's in the pet store, and, and this, this guy walked by with his wife, and that parrot said, hey, you know, you got the ugliest uh, wife I think I've ever seen. And so he went and told the owner of the pet store, and so he just reached in there and slapped that parrot around, feathers flew. He said, don't ever say that again. Well, that guy's walking around the pet store, you know, with his wife, and he go by that parrot again, and that parrot goes, hey, you got the ugliest wife i ever seen. 
So he went and told the owner again. The owner said, I want to teach you a lesson or two. I mean, he said he slapped him good, feathers are flying. He said, don't you ever say that again. So the guy's still walking around the store. A little bit later, he goes by that parrot again. And that parrot looks at him and says, you know, you know. I mean, all that parrot's doing is what? He, he, he learned that from somebody, right? And that's the way it is in church a lot of times. People, they learn some things from somebody, but they don't have any, of, they don't have any anointing on their life. They don't have any presence of God. And mountains don't fall down at your presence. They fall down at God's presence. That's why David said, I don't come to you with, with, with a sword or with a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in his, with His presence on me. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how good a slinger David was, but, he, but what he did that day was supernatural. It was that God guided that stone. And, bam. And he took his head off. Couldn't you see that? That young 17-year-old carrying that big basketball the head. We sanctify it a little bit, but it wasn't sanctified if you'd have been there. There's blood going everywhere. Yeah. Their champion died. Their mountain was destroyed because a young boy came out and did what Zechariah said there in Zechariah chapter 6. He shouted grace to the mountain. And that mountain came tumbling down. It works in the New Testament. Jesus said, speak to the mountain and it'll be part. Amen. So we face them. And nothing, there's nothing that we can do that, you know, unless we want to go to heaven to stop from having them. They're always going to be there. They're always a part of life, but they don't have to, they don't have to take us down or they don't have to defeat us. We can defeat them. Hallelujah. Back to Everest, you know, when those guys want to conquer those mountains, you know, they got to get themselves in good shape. They got to acclimate. They're not going to summit that mountain. They're not going to conquer it. They're not just going to show up. Many of them that die are just guys that have a lot of money and they've maybe climbed a little bit, you know, and they go over and try that and they got the money to pay it because if you get... Uh, you, you know, I mean, not all the guides are responsible guides. So most, mo maybe most of them are. Most of them will weed out the people that aren't, that aren't, they're just have no business there. But you got scrupulous ones that will just, they they want your money, huh? Unscrupulous. unscrupulous, excuse me, unscrupulous ones that they just want your money, and they'll try to get you up there. And if you didn't don't make it, well, you signed a release waiver. Nobody guaranteed you'd come home. Thank God we're hooked up with a guy that will get us to the top and back down. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.